what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Forecast. I'm your host, Alan Burton, Director of Instruction for the Alan Burton Golf Academy at Lake Hickory Country Club in Hickory, North Carolina. Be sure to check out all our other shows on TheMesh.tv, all produced here in Western North Carolina. We are your connection to the who's who in the game of golf. We will make you think, make you laugh, and grow your golf IQ. Thanks to all our listeners, and find us on TheMesh.tv and all your other favorite podcast platforms, such as Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. On today's episode, I am proud and pleased to be joined by a really good friend of mine, a young man that I've known for quite some time, probably uh, very early in his life I got introduced to him, and fortunately for me, it's been uh, it's been a fantastic ride to watch this young man's career grow. Uh, this gentleman is Ben Dietrich, and Ben is currently the assistant golf coach at the University of South Carolina, and it's um, been a long time since I've had a chance to sit down and catch up with this young man, so I'm excited about our conversation this morning, and I want to welcome you to the show, Ben. It's a pleasure to have you on, buddy. Well, thank you so much, Alan. It's uh, certainly a pleasure to be here. Um, like you said, we have known each other for a long time, and I'm certainly excited to catch up this morning. Well, you've you've had an amazing career um, as a young golfer. Um, you know, I, I guess I met you at a, probably ten or eleven years old. <laughs> it really yeah. speaks to how old I'm getting. And uh, you're you're uh, from the area here in Hickory. You lived over in Conover, and I think uh, let's go back and tell the Ben Dietrich story a little bit. Let let our listeners know where you came from and how you got to where you are because it's a fascinating story. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, you know, I grew up in Conover, North Carolina, and was uh, introduced to the game of golf, thankfully, around the age of nine, maybe ten. Uh, my dad and my brother started playing just as uh, a good avenue to spend time together as a family. And lo and behold, fell in love with the game and decided to uh, find some instruction and thankfully was placed in your gifted hands. Um, but, yeah, it started around the age of ten, started taking uh, golf lessons and quickly fell in love with the competitive side of it and started to grow like crazy and you know count your instruction very valuable early on with fundamentals and and whatnot and I I felt like that really gave me a a solid foundation to move forward so um you know after after the age of 10 11 12 started to get into the really competitive side and play a lot of junior golf and and uh really began to fall in love with just the competition the game the tournament side um of things and and it was just, it was a joy to compete. And so, you know, continued to play throughout uh, middle school uh, and was, was given the opportunity to move to uh, Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, to pursue it a little bit further uh, within a golf academy. Um, it, was, it was a good jump. It was, it was certainly hard to leave home um, for me at that age. That was around uh, probably 14 or 15. But I think, I think what it did is it, it opened my eyes to, you know, further competition and then it also allowed me to move to South Carolina um, 
you know, just some, some great golf courses down in that area. As, uh, as you know, we've, we've played a, a few rounds down in that area, which oh, has yeah. uh, always been fun in the past, but uh, re- really took root in the competitive side of it. Um, started playing bigger, bigger tournaments as a junior around that 15, 16 area. And then kind of had that realization of, uh, you know, I, I would really like to do this for a career, you know, what would be my next critical step. And so, Started looking into the recruiting process of college golf, as, as most people, um, you know, relayed me the message of good junior golfers always go to college to hone their skills, find a good coach that can help you grow. Um, you know, it's a critical time in your life. And so started looking into that recruiting process and um, was very fortunate to meet a few guys down in that area that were uh, part of the University of South Carolina golf team. And just through playing uh, competitions with them, some tournaments with them, uh, some friendly matches with them, um, they were very gracious enough to give my name to Coach Bill McDonald up here at South Carolina. And, um, you know, next thing I knew when I was a junior in high school, was able to take a visit, fell in love with the campus, uh, fell in love with the coaching staff. Uh, they were great. I knew, I knew that they, they hosted an incredible schedule uh, full of competition. And, and I really, you know, after talking to the, my parents and, whatnot felt like that you know just through the competition the guys on the team the campus the facilities and I, I knew that if i wanted to make it to the next level this was definitely a place that i was uh that i should attend and so um shortly after that i was able to commit and uh, signed my national letter of intent in november of my senior year and then started the fall of 2013 um in college, college golf was just an incredible experience, uh, so much so that I took five years instead of four. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up redshirting my junior year, but uh, you know, I, I learned so much uh, just as a college golfer in the arena of, of golf, life, character. You know what it means to be a good student, um, and so you know, thankfully had a pretty successful career here at Carolina, and um, you know, just decided that I felt like my my talent, my, my gifts were, um, more so on the coaching side than the playing side. Um, and obviously it was a very difficult decision to give, give up the game in the pursuit of professional golf. But, um, you know, I felt, felt like the next step was to get into the coaching side just because I, it was such a rewarding experience to see how much I grew in college, how much coach McDonald affected me in my entire life, just in the mm-hmm. short time that we knew each other, you know, much like, um, you do with your junior golfers and much like you did with me when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and so here we are today, uh, right after graduation, I got the job as the assistant coach and, um, just learning tons. And, you know, that's, that's just a little minute, minute or two overview of my golf history. Well, that, that's a fantastic story. And, and you've, you've come so far and we're all proud of you here, obviously in the area. Um, you know, I knew kind of early on with you um, where your dedication was intense. You know, a lot of the younger players around the area wanted to play and, and be around you and learn from you and watch you and mimic you. You were kind of kind of the local hero among a lot of the junior golfers, and it was kind of interesting to see how you developed and how you kind of moved yourself away from that environment a little bit on purpose. Cause you know, some of it was you, you wanted to be more serious in what you were doing. And, you know, some of the other junior golfers were just kind of kicking it and having some fun. And Ben says, you know what, I want to, I want to make this really good. So I'm kind of going to separate myself. You had a hard time doing that early on. I remember, you know, separating yourself from that social environment that was kind of mm-hmm. a, 
maybe a potential distraction as it can be for a lot of juniors, but it was fascinating to me at your age how you were able to see way beyond the weekend, you know? And mm-hmm. A lot of kids are just kind of looking forward to the fun, and, and you really took it serious from early early on. So, you know, that's obviously going to uh, be great for these college players coming into your program, having all the junior golf experience that you've had and the serious-mindedness. And you'll be able to give these kids a tremendous experience. I know they'll be grateful for it. You know, working with Coach McDonald, as you mentioned, he had a great influence on you as well and kept you there and obviously gave you that opportunity. So uh, it speaks well for him that he knows character and he knows great great people when he when he gets the opportunity to meet with them. So kind of cool. Tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the recruiting process. You mentioned that there's been a lot of rules changes, and I know that's a topic of concern for players out there navigating their way into college golf. Uh, I work mm-hmm. with a ton of kids, and it's always their their question to me is, why, why are coaches not calling me? You know, I'm playing pretty good. I'm not getting any calls. You know, kind of give us some insight. What do we need to know about the rules and, and how that process works um, as they go forward? Yeah, absolutely. And and i I got to be careful not to get down in the weeds here because it, uh, it can get a little thick at times. But, you know, there's a couple highlights that I would, I would point out, um, you know, talking about kind of separating yourself and being serious just in the game of golf as a junior. I think that's a, that's a really critical step in the recruiting process because, you know, you, you, you look on something like junior golf scoreboard, it, it ranks juniors all the way up to, I think, the 4,000th ranking. So mm-hmm. clearly there's a lot of junior golfers out there pursuing it. And so I think that dedication to separate yourself is, is very important. Um, and then from a player's perspective, you know, the best thing that you can do is, is just keep your head down and, and continue to play your game and play really good golf because I promise you the, the, the coaches on the back end and from behind the desk, we do our research and we know, we recognize, we see who's going to kind of rise to that next level. Um, so just in terms of a play from a player's perspective at a younger age, you know, and I'm talking about like the, the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, um, you know, my biggest advice would be just to keep your head down and to continue to focus on what you need to do to get better. And, you know, obviously play, play tournaments for experience, but from a coach's perspective, tournaments at, at seventh and eighth grade you know if you shoot a if you shoot a bad score it's it's not the worst thing in the world as long as you can learn from your mistakes and continue right. to get better i would say the recruiting process nowadays really starts when you're around the ninth tenth grade area um and i say that because we we've had a couple of uh, pretty sizable rule changes um namely the official visits and unofficial visits to college campuses so prior to last year if you were in seventh, eighth, ninth grade, you were able to take a college visit. And when you're on a college visit, obviously you get to know the coaches, you know, your parents get to know the coaches, you get to to see the facilities. And what they were finding is, um, you know, a seventh or eighth grader, they were going to these really big time programs and they were very talented and they began to commit earlier and earlier. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in my opinion, I think that can be dangerous from a couple of angles because, you know, when you're in seventh and eighth grade, it's, you haven't grown into your full potential yet. And, you know, you, you may make an uneducated decision. So they placed the rule in place last year to where you can't visit until August 1st of your junior year. Uh, and so, you know, 
obviously you're a little bit older, you're a little bit more seasoned to make that uh, decision. And then in addition to that, it used to be where you could call coaches and they could answer and you could have a conversation at any point. Um, but they couldn't call you back until, you know, you were a junior, but this year we can't take any phone calls. We can't give any phone calls. We can't send any text messages until June 15th of the year in between your sophomore and your junior year. So as you're a rising junior, that's when we can start to connect you mm-hmm. uh, or connect with you. So those two rules were put in place to um, slow the recruiting process down, which I'm, I'm certainly in favor of because I want, I want a kid that comes on campus and can make an informed decision. And I know what he's going to be like in a year or two. Um, mm-hmm. So just in terms of, you know, how does a junior golfer go about that? If he's in eighth, ninth, 10th grade, um, I would say, try to play as many golf tournaments as you possibly can, whether they're local or national, um, because we are going to recognize you. And, you know, from there, just be on the lookout for college coaches at tournaments. In addition to, it's always very helpful to us when we receive emails and update emails, mm-hmm. um, you know, the initial email to say, hey, you know, Coach Dietrich, it's, it's great to meet you, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, this is who I am this is my passion for the game of golf. This is who my instructor is. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the tournaments I'm going to be playing. So that kind of gets us on our, uh, gets you on our radar. However, we can't respond to those emails. Mm-hmm. So that's right. the challenging part because, you know, you, you feel like you're a little bit on an island. But right. if you pop up on our radar, you know, we'll continue to watch you. Um, the good thing is I can always contact coaches. I can mm-hmm. always contact high school coaches. I can always contact people in your life other than your parents. Right. And so that that's that's a lot of the work that we do from behind the desk. We make um, we make phone calls. We send emails. We try to get as much information on the player without actually meeting him as we possibly can before we invest the time into him recruit uh, into recruiting him. But you know, just to sum that up, you know, as a young junior golfer, I would say you know play your game, be dedicated, continue to learn, um, and and shape your your game from competition. And then as you get into that eighth, ninth, 10th grade, um, range, start sending emails to programs, do a lot of research on programs. There's, there's nothing more that impresses a coach more to know what program they're emailing. Um, you know, I I always grin when I get an email saying, Hey, congratulations on winning the hoodie at Bulls Bay, you know, two weeks ago, it looks like your seniors are really playing some great golf. That shows me that they've invested the time to look into the program and it's not just a form email to, to those coaches, but, you know, start sending emails um, that puts you on our radar and um, with, uh, you know, upcoming tournaments so we can keep an eye on you and then hopefully get out and recruit you. And then as soon as that June 15th of in between your sophomore and junior year occur, feel free to reach out to us and we'll reach out to you. Um, phone call, letter, sent, sent a couple of letters the other day to some junior golfers, which was it's always a rewarding experience. But, you know, in a nutshell, the better you play, you know, yeah, yeah. The you noticed, it? <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting. I've been to obviously a lot of junior golf tournaments with my juniors that I coach and just sitting on a bench and observing, you know, 75 young players on a putting green warming up for their tournament. It's interesting to watch how many are actually seriously working on something in their putting and how many of them are leaning on a putter chatting with their friend. You know, one time I was sitting there with a college <laughs> coach and it was like, 
74 golfers leaning on a putter talking to their buddy and one golfer actually working a putting drill trying to improve his putting. I thought it was kind of interesting. So the juniors don't realize who's watching and how much they can pay attention to those details, right? Oh, exactly. Exactly. You can pick up up a lot watching that body language, can't you? Well, I think it's interesting, too. And with with that being said, as you – travel out and you're watching these young players and you're recruiting I think you just said you went recently to uh did you get down to Dothan this year and see any play at the junior masters and uh unfortunately I didn't get to go to Dothan this year um you know the 15 to 18 year olds are are playing right now we've got a couple commits in that field but I was able to make it to the uh the Grant Bennett in Florence which it always hosts a pretty good um Mm -hmm. field of South Carolina talent so you know, schedule-wise, I, I seem to be all over the place each summer um, yeah. and things pop up. But, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it to Dothan. I got you. I had a young player uh, play in it for his first time this year, as I was telling you on the phone. He was nine-year-old, Grayson Balkum, and I want to send the congratulations out to him. His, uh, his first round got him into the top ten in his age group. He was the only nine-year-old on wow. the top ten after round one. Uh, the rest of them were 10 years old, and uh, Grayson shot one over par in his first round. And second round bit him a little bit. I think he finished the tournament six over and was in maybe 12th place or something like that. But just a great performance, and uh, I'm sure next year will be a bigger, stronger, faster, wiser Grayson Balkum. And uh, he reminds me of you a lot, of mm. a lot of his uh, traits. He's a very serious player. So it's always fun to watch him grow, isn't it? Um, the next thing I want to talk about, too, is with, um, um, you know, social media is a big part of our environment today. These kids, they like to get on social media. And is that something as a coach that you're looking at, a potential recruit, or are you looking at their social media posts and getting a lot of insight as to what kind of person they are from those posts? Oh, no question. You know, it, it always seems to me that social media bears all. And, uh yeah. I think I think what's interesting is you get you get a kid and they are you know excited about the recruiting process, um, but they don't they don't quite understand what goes out on social media sometimes. Right. And so you can certainly find out a lot about somebody via their social media posts. It's definitely something we look at. Um, you know, it can be it can be a positive factor, but it also could be a negative factor. I think I think what's interesting too, you know, to go back to the recruiting processes there's there's very limited um there's very limited rules via social media so Mm -hmm. i can follow and track pretty much anybody on social media i want just in terms of age Mm -hmm. um obviously can't correspond with them via social media but you know whether it's instagram or twitter or facebook um you know i can kind of keep an eye on them what they're doing but i think what's what's neat about social media is it bears like i said it bears all so i you kind of get a glimpse into their personal life, um, you know, outside the golf course, right? uh, which can certainly be helpful just in determining, um, you know, character, what they're like at home, maybe their family environment and things like that. Um, But yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a uh, recruiting tool that is widely used among coaches. Now as a coach and a coaching staff, do you guys feel, uh, I guess a little bit more excited about a young recruit that contacts you directly, or would you rather that individual have a recruiting consultant contact you? Uh, do you hear from a lot of consultants representing players and how do you prefer to communicate with a player when you actually get to? 
You know, that, that's a great question. Uh, and I've seen it. I've seen just about everything in my short coaching career. I've seen everything from a recruiting con, uh, consultant to a parent, to a coach, to a high school guidance counselor. Um, mm-hmm. And it is, it is always good to have contact with somebody other than the player that can kind of reference the player, if you will, um, mm-hmm. and just give a little bit of uh, critique or, you know, uh, influence from the outside. But there's nothing better from a, to a coach than from getting contacted by a player directly. Right. And I say that for a couple of reasons because to me, and even Coach McDonald, it, it shows ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it goes a long way with a coach when uh, a young junior golfer takes the time to sit down and construct an e- email, to give a phone call, um, you know, to do their research. I just think that's so valuable because what you find when you get to college is, you know, you're away from home, you're away from parents, you're away from coaches, um, and the responsibility level goes up drastically. And so if we see a player, you know, that's in, say, in ninth, tenth grade, that's sitting down doing research, constructing his own email and emailing us, Mm -hmm. that shows me that he is incredibly responsible. Uh, He wants it. You know, more so, um, we get we get a lot of emails from parents, which is great because the parents obviously are invested in the career. But I, I just, for me personally, I think it goes a long way when um, a player sits down to do that. Uh, it just shows shows an extreme amount of ownership, which that goes a long way with programs like ours. Yeah, I think initiative is 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 important. I, I've told all my players, I said, well, you know, uh, uh, you know, we're recruiting consultant is certainly going to advise you in their viewpoints of how the process works. They might give you some structure to an email. They might guide you in some ways, but the the coach wants to hear from the player. And I feel like that's Mm -hmm. really big. And and I've always advised my players the same. I said, it's fine to use a consultant, but don't let that consultant do the job for you. You know, reach out to that coach and introduce yourself and learn how to put your your hand in their hand when you see them at a tournament and just say hello mm-hmm. and introduce yourself. I mean, eye to eye contact and the old school handshake goes a long way too. you know, it's simple stuff. It, extremely life. valuable, extremely yeah, exactly. valuable. Exactly. And I know players always get concerned about putting their tournament scores into their resume. Hey, I had a bad round, you know, and I shot 70 and then I shot 79 and, I said, well, that college coach, if he's interested in you, he understands that golf is a game of up and down, and mm-hmm. you're not going to play great golf every time you tee it up. But they look at your your ability to bounce back. They might see that round of 79, you had a quad on a hole, and then you birdied the next hole, and that shows a lot of resilience in a player. You know, So it's your bounce back potential that they're looking at, not necessarily that one bad round in your resume. You know. So, yeah, that's that's exactly right. I can't tell you how many times in college golf that's so important because you'll see you'll see a high number, and then you know determining if that high number determines the rest of the round, you know that could potentially take the player out of count, accounting score. So mm-hmm. you know even if you have a triple, you know you make two three birdies coming in, you know we're back to even par. So right. that always helps the team score uh, Shows tremendously. That shows that player's resiliency in, in the game of golf is going to require that resiliency to play at a high level for sure. So, you know, players are coming to you probably more and more educated than ever. Um, I'm guessing mm-hmm. they are very familiar with TrackMan data and Sam Putt Lab data, and you guys are helping them diagnose things from that new 
new technology and information. How much of that do you guys use on a day-to-day basis there in your program? You have all the technologies at hand, I'm sure. So, yes, we certainly do. Um, and we, we encourage the guys to, to use it but not rely on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we, we have a couple track mans that circulate through our team. Um, you know, we have, we have a couple putting, uh, putting aids and, you know, you know, at the end of the day, we, we do use them in practice. Uh, coach uses them to teach off of, um, but what we stress on our players is mainly that at the end of the day, it's about getting the ball in the hole mm-hmm. and how can we do that in obviously the fewest strokes possible. But what do we need to do to be able to do that? You know, if it's right. if it's to know our track man numbers and to know why we're hitting it, you know, from right to left too much, what's mm-hmm. what's by all means, let's really focus in on that and, um, you know, try to improve that. But, you know, if our track man numbers are good and we're around the greens and, you know, we're hitting 12 greens around and we're not getting, you know, 50% of them up and down, then, you know, maybe we need to, we need to look at, look at something else and and work on some short game a little bit. But, you know, as far as technology goes, we do use it, we encourage it, but we try to get them not to rely on it. That makes sense. Absolutely. I think that's a critical thing to understand about any technology It's simply a measurement, but it's a means to an end. And the game of golf is always going to be about putting it in the hole and I'm sure Jim Furyk's track man numbers weren't necessarily as good as uh, Brooks Kepka's on the driver when it, when when uh, he shot 58, you know Jim right. Furyk's numbers probably didn't light the track man up, but he shot 58, and that that, that wins wins most every day. So every day, it's always about score. You know, I love kids when they say, "Man, I'm, I said, you know, you're you're more concerned about how far you hit it." I said, "Let's take a look at this scorecard over here. Where does it ask you for the distance any of your shots went? It's not a box on the scorecard, man." You know, no, you're, you're looking for that's something. That's exactly right. You don't have to paint a picture. Yeah, yeah. You're looking for the wrong number. It, it's it's not the number of yards that your shots travel. It's the number of strokes it took you to hold it. So I think that's it's right. fun. You know, kids love to hit it far, though, and they're hitting it farther than ever um, in, uh, in today's world, aren't they? You know, yes, the golf they courses are. that you guys are playing are 74, 7,500 yards on average. And, you know, gone are the days of uh, – you know, driver wedge, driver wedge. So, yeah, certainly we played, uh, actually our national championship was at the blessings out in Arkansas and they had the course, the course could play at a max of 7,900 yards. I think they shortened it up for us and we played around <laughs> 7,700 yards. Shortened it up a little bit. For <laughs> short, <you>. short golf <laughs> course. It's crazy. Oh my yeah. gosh. Fascinating. Well, you know, when you have practice with your team, are you, um, uh, are you a coach that feels like practice for a team environment like that should be extremely structured in that you have team drills or are most of your practice sessions pretty much individually designed for the player and what their needs are at that moment in, in the week? So I feel, I feel like I need to offer a pretty nuanced answer here. Um, one, because w- when I took the job, one thing I realized is, and even coming to South Carolina is, we're dealing with very, very highly talented players and they know what they need to do to get better. Obviously they're in the position that they're in. And so, you know, for a while, what coach and I did this year in the, in the fall semester is we, we were very hands off and 
uh, we let we let the guys do what they need to do. You know, maybe we had one or two challenges for them each practice, whether it would be a short game challenge or, mm-hmm. you know, a, uh, a putting challenge. But for the most part, it was uh, very unstructured and uh, it was very autonomous for the player. Mm-hmm. So once we made it through the fall semester and we finished up our tournaments, we, we did um, we did a fall evaluation. And in the fall evaluation, you know, we we essentially asked, what did we do well and what do we need to improve on? And it was interesting. The one thing that kept coming up of what we needed to improve on was we needed more structure and practice. <laughs> and so to, to coach and I, it was interesting because, you know, you've got some players that say, you know, we want to practice on our own. We know what we need to do to get better. But then, you know, you give them that time and they're like, maybe we need some more structure. So I think there's a fine line just in a team practice because everybody's a little bit different. You got to know your players. But what we ended up landing on um, was we get a certain amount of uh, hours per NCAA rules each week. So we, we, we do two major team practices on Monday and Wednesday morning, and they range from anywhere to two to two and a half, maybe three hours on a good day. And so what we do is um, we, we leave the players to themselves to design what they need to practice on. So whether it's, you know, I need to hit on the track man or I need, you know, need to work on three woods or I need to work on fairway bunker shots. We, we let them do that. But I think what really helped us in the fall or in the spring, we had a really successful spring and it was all about wedge play. And so what we found was when we created that competition among the team, they took it a little more serious. They went through their routine and they mimicked what they were going to do on the golf course. So what we did is we set up what we call a gauntlet. And so what it is, it's, we've got, we've got three distinct greens at our practice facility. One's, you know, more or less flat with a few bunkers surrounding. Um, one's very long and suited for, you know, bump and runs. And then the other one's a very bold green. And so what we do is we pick a green and we pick what kind of short game shots we want to work on. And we set up a, basically a nine hole up and down competition. Mm-hmm. And so we'll go through this nine hole up and down competition as a team all nine or 10 guys out there as a team, you know, we pair up in twos and we go around and uh, usually we, I let the player set the goal of, Hey guys, we have to get eight out of nine up and down. We got to get seven out of nine up and down, depending on the difficulty. Mm-hmm. And then if that doesn't occur, we either do one or two things. We either have a punishment for those who don't finish it, whether it's, you know, a lap around the facility or push ups or whatever it is, mm-hmm. or you can't leave, the chipping green until you get eight out of nine up and down. And so I think w- what that does is it does a couple of things. It, it provides competition among the team. It mimics actual play. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's more transfer practice than block practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I loved about it is the guys were so invested this spring in that. And so what I found was, you had some, a little bit of trash talk going on. Um, you had um, you know, pair up into teams of two and do combined score. Mm-hmm. And so the competition was just unbelievable. You know, sure. you had guys jumping around the greens when they made a putt and stuff like that. And it was, it was just so awesome to see, you know, buy-in. But so what we do in those two hours of practice, we usually set something up like that, nine holes. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe I'll set up a, a putting drill or two and say, hey, you know, I'll be over on the putting green after you guys finish the short game area and um, I'll be, be there to watch and help with putting if you want it. But if not, you know, do what you feel like you need to do to get better. So it's a little bit structured, but at the same time they have the autonomy to do what they want. 
Right. And it holds holds players accountable for actually accomplishing a goal before they can kind of move on. I think exactly. that's the trouble with the recreational golfers out there. They're practicing, you know, probably 95% of the time just in a block environment, standing on the range, banging seven irons at a, you know, generic target off a level line. I go, that's not playing golf, man. You, you know, <laughs> yeah. how are you going to survive in a jungle if you live your entire life in a cage? Yeah, so some <laughs> of these exactly things you right. say, and, exactly and just right. like they don't, they don't get the whole process of becoming a great golfer, and they wonder why their game doesn't transfer from the range to the course. Say, so, well, it's it's 180 degrees opposite, you know. But uh, that's great. Yeah, definitely having more random practice and adding that competitive environment, I find, as you say, helps players transfer their skills, and that makes them great on on tournament days. That is yes, that's sir. the way it's done. So when you're, when you're going down the rabbit hole of, um, of diagnosis, one thing I always try and get my players to do is to, to kind of journal, journal whatever it is they're practicing and write it down. Or if they're you know, tech guys, they might put it in the notes section of their phone or what have you. But I say here's three simple questions you ask yourself for every journal entry. Uh, first question is when. You date it. When did you do it? Second question would be what. What did you do? What did you work on? What would you do, um, you know, to try and add that competitive element to your practice and add that randomness to your practice? And then how would you improve it? You know, how did you change it? How did you make improvements to whatever it is you were working on? So the questions are when, what, and how. And if you have a journal entry, it should kind of include all that information. Um, you know, and then over time, they're seeing their journaling and they're seeing their competitive uh, practice if they worked on 10 foot putts and they made you know four out of 10 one day six out of 10 the next and six months later they're averaging six out of 10 I say look where you've come you know you used to average three out of 10 now you're averaging mm-hmm. six out of 10 from 10 feet so it's you know it builds that confidence from doing the work and seeing it in writing and seeing that uh, that improvement I think that's a big deal for players would you agree with the journaling approach or some players just aren't going to write it down they just <laughs> kind of wing it yeah I certainly agree with that because it's always it's always great to look back at where you were from where you are right now mm-hmm. um, so I, I definitely I definitely do agree with that journal approach um, you know two two questions it's funny you say three questions and um, there's two questions that I usually ask our players after they play um, and I actually have them written down right here on my computer, but it's, it's what did I do well and why, mm-hmm. and then what can I do better and how? Yeah. And so, you know, what I found is even when I was a player, the first question you get asked when you put the flag in by your teammates, by your coaches, by your family is, well, what'd you shoot? And so what I think that does is it puts you in that, um, results oriented mindset mm-hmm. and, it basically ties your worth to, okay, I'm this score for this day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you, if you have a bad round, you know, that, that carries over into dinner, that carries over into the night, that carries up maybe even over into the next day. Sure. And so what we tried to do is try to kind of try to stay away from the, the generic, Hey, what'd you shoot? Oh, you, you shot 75. You know, you need to get practice versus, you know, Hey, you know, did you have fun today? Yeah. Okay. Good. You know, what did you do? Well, why did you, why do you feel like you did well? And then what do we need to do to get better for tomorrow? And I think our mon- if I could say anything about our mantra for the spring, you know, we won three times, but it wasn't, we didn't, we didn't get caught up in, you know, oh my gosh, we just won, you know, we're, we're getting better as a team. It was, 
what do we need to do to get better tomorrow? What do we need to do to get better before this next event? And I think asking ourselves those questions and kind of like, you know, dialoguing about it, recording it, you know, obviously, you know, you mentioned before we were talking about stats, um, got a lot of stats, but, you know, seeing where we came from, where we are now, where we're going and it's, what, what are the questions that I can ask to continue to get better? And I think, I think you hit the nail on the head there, there with those three questions. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's definitely a way to improve as a golfer. Well, it just seems as though the best players in the world are, are never satisfied with where they are. They always feel like there's something they can do to improve. And that's, I tell my players, Hey, if it's 1% better every day for a hundred days in a row, how much better are you going to be? That's a hundred percent. That's right? exactly right. <laughs> yeah, but you got to do it a hundred days in a row, and that's that's the problem. Most people won't do it a hundred days in a row. <laughs> you know, they skip because they're going to the beach and hanging with their friends or whatever. I said, look, man, it's it's a process. You got to stick to the process. Total yeah, process. A little bit better each day. Well, that's all fantastic. You know, so with your program going forward, I know you had a couple seniors or out of the ten players on your team, couple seniors. Any uh. Any new recruits you can talk about already that have committed? Yes, sir. About? We um, we got two really good um, seniors that are coming in this year, so they'll be uh, freshmen, and actually a couple of them are on campus this week for orientation. But uh, we got Jack Wall from New Jersey, uh, outstanding player. Uh, has played in a couple of U.S. Junior AMs. Uh, has won won a few pretty big tournaments. I know he won the Met Open um, a while back. It's funny. Most of our guys are from South Carolina and Georgia. So when we get somebody from New York or New Jersey, he's kind of deemed the international player. <laughs> he's going to have to fight for some territory there. <laughs> exactly. And then we have um, a, a, a guy from Rock Hill coming in. His name's Nick Mayfield and uh, very talented, a ton of speed. Um, so we're, we're looking for, you know, both of these guys we see are, you know, long hitters. They're very sculpted with a short game um, and really sky's the limit uh, to both of them. And I think what's really cool about our program, though we're losing three seniors that started, we've got a lot of guys on um, the back end. And so I feel like even though we're replacing three critical people, we've got a lot of depth. And so, you know, I was looking through our stats not too long ago and I realized out of 10 players last year, nine of them competed in a college golf event. Mm-hmm. So that, that, you know, and that Speaks was actually keeping yeah. the exact same lineup through the spring. So there was just a lot of depth in the fall. Um, and so we're looking to draw on that depth. We've got uh, Ryan Hall, who was um, an outstanding player a freshman year. You know, he, he, he was ranked inside the top 80 in the golf stat rankings after mm-hmm. just one year of college golf. So looking good for him to return and um, a few other critical players. You know, we've got two um, juniors. Well, now rising seniors, Caleb Provo and Jamie Wilson, that were an intricate part of our lineup in, in the spring for for our three victories. So, all in all, I think we're we're going to be um, in really good shape for next year. And you know, I, t- I tell the guys all the time, you know, you guys can be as good as you want to be because you're all talented enough. It's what we do in the small things and what we do on a day to day basis that's going to propel us to actually reach our goals on the back end of the the, um, no, the schedule. Yeah, I was looking at Ryan Hall's statistics and uh, 21 rounds, a stroke average of 71 is pretty smoking right there. He'd get it done. <laughs> he can get it done. He's uh, he's a unique individual. He's Even though he was a freshman, he's got one of the best mindsets I've ever been around in college golf. 
it's, um, you know, very determined mindset. And what's really interesting is he actually gets, we, you know, we, we kid around and joke with him a little bit about how much he practices, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they'll, they'll joke of, um, he'll, he'll be out at our facility at like eight o'clock in the morning and he'll stay till five o'clock at night. And it's just, you know, <laughs> we don't have enough balls for Ryan Hall. No, he's out here today. He's going to use all the, all of practice to you up. But you know, when, when you got teammates joking about how much you practice, you know, you're doing the right yeah, thing. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Sets a pretty hard bar for everybody else, doesn't it? <laughs> it certainly does, but it's been great for our team because a lot of times he'll drag, he'll drag the other guys out of bed and, yeah, it'll be like we're we're, we're going to go play eighteen holes right now, and it's like this is you know this is what we need. That is what you need for sure. That's fantastic. Well, hopefully that's continual and contagious, and uh, it leads to great things in in the upcoming season. I know it will be exciting, no matter what, if you're involved. And uh, you know, as we look forward to um, watching the team and watching you compete and watching your career continue to grow, you know what's uh, what's we have to mention something really big in your life that actually just took place. So is you got married you know, all these <laughs> heart, heartbroken girls it. around Conover here. Ben Dietrich is no longer on the table. It's uh congratulations, man. Oh, uh, man, I appreciate it. And you're, you're too kind in your, uh, your assessment there, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I got married, uh, let's see this Saturday. It'll be three Saturdays ago. Um, and it's just been, it's been a, a great experience. Three you weeks know, I, in. I, I, jo- I joke with people, um, you know, in the past probably 13 months, I graduated college, I got a job, I got engaged, bought a house, got married. <laughs> um, so my, my five-year plan, you know, was squished into Just about 13 months. Just took place in months, six months. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's it's been um, it's been a crazy time of transition, you know, just a crazy season of life. But, you know, to do it with people that you love, um, it makes it all the more rewarding. And then oh, – yeah you know, furthermore to, to have a job that you can't wait to wake up and go to in the morning. I think it's just, I think it speaks a lot, but I, I just think it's so special. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how, you know, blessed I feel to have a, a beautiful wife at home for one. And then a job that I, you know, pinch myself every day that I can't believe I get to do this. Although I joke with people and say, you know, most days it's, I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this. And then other days it's like, I'm not getting paid nearly enough to do this. <laughs> That's right. But uh, We've all just all there. in all, just a huge blessing to be a part of this program and, you yeah. know, be able to get married in Columbia. Well, now is your wife a golfer and, and does she understand the game? So she understands the game very well because she's a quick study, but she is not a golfer. Um, you. you know, what's interesting is she grew up, um, literally on the ninth tee box of Florence country club. Okay. And, um, she, you know, her dad plays golf, um, brother plays golf, but you know, she never, never really picked up the game. But what was amazing is, you know, we started dating probably two and a half years ago, three years ago. And, you know, I would travel to tournaments and she'd have the golf stat pulled up on her laptop, you know, mm-hmm. profusely hitting refresh button to see how we're doing. And then, you know, we made it to a match play this year in the SEC championship in, uh, you know, she, she sheepishly told me, she's like, uh, can, can you please explain match play to me? <laughs> but, you know, in, in all honesty, after five minutes of explaining, you know, what dormy means and, you know, how, yeah. you know, you can go three up on a match with three to play and just the point system, like she picked it up immediately. And so, sure. 
you know, we, we were playing that final round and she was actually in Sea Island watching and she's like, man, we, we really need to, we need, we need some, some power on the back end of these matches to, to get them, to get them, to get a win over Auburn. Unfortunately we didn't, but just to hear yeah. her talk about that was actually really cool because she's such a quick study about it. Oh, that's good. Well, she's got a good teacher there. You can, you can bring her <laughs> along and, and keep her informed on all the golf lingo and explain yep. you know shanks and all that stuff you oh, hopefully you want yeah. that's that's a cuss word around our house <laughs> get her exactly well get her get her playing how about, how about your mom is your mom still playing a lot of tennis or is she playing a little golf too what's going on with honestly with, she's not um she, i wouldn't say she's playing either they actually made yeah. a pretty big move they're they're living up in uh mooresville north carolina now we we ended up selling our house in bluffton and moving away from south carolina full-time um, with me being full-time in Columbia now with a new wife. And then my brother got married last year around this time. Okay. So him and his wife live up in uh, the Huntersville area. So they wanted to move closer to home. Uh, yeah. But, you know, she still is active as ever. And she, she drags pops out and they go work out all the time. And, you know, sure. Just, yeah. She keeps they're him killing hopping. it. They're killing it. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I, have, I have so many fond memories of your family when you guys lived here. And I remember one in particular, experience i guess your brother still flies a lot and do you have a pilot's license as well at this point (laughs) no you know my brother does fly a lot and uh, everybody always seems to ask of you know your dad's a pilot your brother's a pilot are you ever going to get your pilot's license and i'm like i love to go up with him but i'm not nearly smart enough to do that kind of stuff i hear you well i'll (laughs) never forget the time that your brother was flying you back i think you guys he might have been 18 at the time you were probably 15 or 16. You were coming back from Pinehurst, played a junior tournament there. It might have been Donald Ross or something, but I'm, I'm talking to you on the phone. You said, yeah, we're we're flying back from the tournament here in a little bit. I'm like, who's flying with you? Well, it's just me and my brother. I'm like, what? Your brother's, what, 18? And you're like 15 like and you guys forget. are going to be on a plane by yourself? I was fascinated by that. It's just It speaks to how mature you are and your family. And I was like, wow. Not not many eighteen year olds I'm putting on a plane to fly my sixteen year old son home from anywhere, you know. Anywhere. No, exactly. Yeah, looking back on that, it's like, I wouldn't man, put I my eighteen year old son in a car bringing somebody back and trust him, you know. You guys are coming exactly. back in a plane, so that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, Ben, I tell you, it's uh it's my pleasure to have you on the show and I thank you so much. I hopefully we can have you back on maybe here after uh, you kick the season in and you kind of get some tournament victories under your belt. We'll have a lot more to talk about next time. Um, I want to congratulate you on your recent marriage again and just tell you we're just we're excited, man. We're excited for your team. The process is uh, underway and, um, you know, big things are on the horizon for, for you and your program down there at South Carolina. Yes, sir. And, you know, I, I can't thank you enough. I certainly wouldn't be sitting in the seat I'm sitting in without you and uh, all that you you did for me when I was – just a young punk junior kid rolling on the scene, you know, a lot of fundamental work, but, uh, it was, it was certainly a life changing event. And, you know, I think, I think that's the, that's the best part about being a coach is the influence you have in the lives of your students. You know, we may not think it's very big, but I think in the end you, you can't really fully grasp how much of an impact you do have on people. So for that, you know, obviously thank you. And I, would love nothing more than to be back on the show with you guys. Well, that'd be great. Yeah, anytime you want to come through town, I'll sit back. Uh, we'll pull out my old laptop and look at some of your 10- and 11-year-old swing videos if you want to check them out. I have them. So uh, 
be fun to do oh, that man. and catch up over dinner or something, man. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Would love to. Okay, that concludes today's show, and I'd like to thank my guest, Ben Dietrich, for being with us. Fantastic show, Ben, and I look forward to next time after a couple more wins from your program at the University of South Carolina. Thanks again, listeners. Tune in next time when we'll have some more exciting news in the game of golf. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.